It is 19 minutes before the hour here on the Toronto Large Radio Show. And as you can probably tell, I desperately need some chocolate and decaf. But that'll have to wait till next week as our good friend Jim Gaudet is calling in from a super secret location. Probably, uh, you know, doing his private security duties for his employer, staking out a joint, no doubt. He uh, is a retired New Hampshire law enforcement officer with more than 20 years on the job in Litchfield, Amherst, and Hillsborough County. And he joins us just about every Tuesday morning at this time for Public Safety This Week. Jim, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hey, Rich. How are you? I'm about ready to spit nails, frankly, but, you know, other than that, I know. I watched watched the circus last night. Yeah, now just just tell me one thing. Did I come across as a rational, uh, you know, respectful person, or was I some kind of unhinged kook? The way that, it, that they all made me out to be, the way they were looking at me. Uh, no, I thought you were pretty rational. I you know I think you were a little bit exercised about it, but you know, again, I was sitting at home and I was pretty exercised about it, and you know, social media was lighting up because there again. Uh, I think uh, John Petro put it, you know, yep, bad behavior by the board again. Yeah, well, I, I'll have to go check social media, but I'll tell you, my, my Facebook inbox was loaded this morning with people who were watching the meeting. And, uh, well, I, I can't relay what most of them said, so. <laughs> no, I hear you. Yeah, well, you know, maybe you'll get a pass from the board if you disclose confidential information. Well, you know, I'm sure someone's going to try to accuse me of doing that by my uh, summary of the letter this morning. But the truth of the matter is, is I didn't need to read the letter for the summary. You're, you're, you gave me a track to run on when you filed your complaint with the Board of Aldermen. Uh, you know, my, uh, you know, Lisa Freeman got some information that uh, she brought to my attention. I know attorneys who I said, okay, what do I do here? Clearly, I didn't need to know, uh, talk to anybody to find out it was a violation of the right to know law, right? You know, I've lived and died by that law. Anyway. Oh, right, and the other thing is, is that board members themselves are not specifically exempted. Uh, you From know, the you right can, to know. Right, exactly. And that was right. a big bone of contention I had with the attorney last night because, you know, to say that it's an attorney-client privilege advising their his client, I, I would buy that if it were a staff member, but I think that he is doing that in violation of the right to know law because it specifically says in the right to know law that members of the publicly elected body shall not be allowed to uh, go into non-public session over matters that might affect their reputation. And by dropping the attorney-client privilege claim on this to, in fact, shield uh nancy from what she did was wrong 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 and i hope to god somebody files a right to know uh lawsuit on this and sees it through because the district will lose this oh yeah they'll get hammered anyway what's going on in public safety this week jim well i don't know you know public safety the big thing over the weekend and it, and it, it was a very timely release so the fbi has released its Uniform crime reports for 2016, they always come out just about this time the following year. So because there's so much data to collate, you know, and then report out in print, you know, that 2016 isn't really done until now this time of the year. And even that is not totally complete. So, you know, after I started my boycott of NFL football and, and sadly the Patriots this Sunday for all this kneeling down crap, um, yeah. You know, they, they released the statistics, so I thought we would just talk, and I'd just give you a few bullet points about, you know, some of the uh, very interesting statistics that we have, so, um, you know, that, that came out that had been pulled out. I could not find uh, the expanded homicide data tables, which is where you get the statistics about, 
you know, how many unarmed black men have been killed by the white police, uh, which is a, a, which is a really, really low number. Um, however, the only ones that are out there are still 2015s, which were released last year. Do, do they keep stats um, on how many arm, unarmed white people are killed by black cops? Because I remember a couple cases uh, recently, including a big one out of St. Uh, uh, Salt Lake uh, City, Utah, where uh, you know an unarmed white uh, guy was shot by an uh, you know by a black police officer. Uh, it, listen, it happens. I'm not saying the black police officer was anti-white, but you know what? There it is. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, you know, it, it, it's kind of crazy when you look at it. So, like, let's look at 2015. So those are the most current statistics that are out there kind of in total. So in 2015, all homicide victims, of all the homicide victims reported or that they could determine, 78.8% of the victims were male, which, again, is not a shock. You know, males are predominantly... The, the victims of and the perpetrators of homicides. And, and 89% of the offend, offenders were male in 2015. What's interesting is 53.1% of the victims were blacks or African Americans, and I'm not quite sure it, what the distinction is, but they actually list both. Uh, and 53.3% of the offenders were black. But yet they only comprise, you know, but they only comprise a, you know, a much smaller percentage of the population, according to census data. So proportionately, yeah, you know, they're more than half of the victims, but guess what? They're also more than half of the offenders. The dirty truth that people don't want you to hear is most of the violence committed in this country, statistically, you know, especially homicides, is... You know, just look at the statistics, probably black on black. Well, you know, and by uh, the way, I have an answer to the African-American thing, because, you know, if you remember Teresa Hines Carey, uh, uh, you know, the would-be first lady of the United States, introduced herself, white chick that she is, as an African-American at the Democratic Convention, I think it was in, what, 2008? Uh, 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 and, and she's as white as day. And then, of course, you have the Egyptians and the Libyans and the Algerians. They're all Arabs, but they're Africans, right? Because they're in Africa. Yeah, and then that may be it. Like I said, I, you know, I'd have to actually drill down and try and find what they're defining as an African-American versus a black. Uh, but, you know, again, they, it's a combined category, but it's clearly the, you know, the majority is 53.1% for victims and 53.3% for offenders. Um, so, you know, and, and if anybody's interested, I'll throw the link up afterwards on, on my site, but, um, you know, you can get this data. They have a whole bunch of tables on this. They call themselves, the, you know, the, the expanded homicide data in the Uniform Crime Reports, and there's probably, I think, 15 tables out there for 2015 uh, that just kind of goes into some detail about that. Uh, they'll talk about, you know, how many uh, justifiable homicides were reported um, in, you know, in that same year by law enforcement, and there were 770 total. 442 of those were at the hands of law enforcement. The balance were actually at the hands of civilians, non-sworn, regular citizens, uh, you know, who committed justifiable homicides defending themselves or someone else, you know, from a crime. Of violence. So, again, it's, you know, 
maybe, you know, I'm not exact on the numbers, but, you know, probably maybe two-thirds, three-fifths are actually at the hands of law enforcement, and that's their job. But, you know, another third to two-fifths are, are actually citizens. Okay. Uh, so, you know, you know that's, that's pretty much it. And I know, you know, just some of the trends that came out in this year for 2016, uh, unarmed, unarmed deaths in 2015 were basically, um, in, it, it, it's pretty much, you know, violent crime is, you know, they're kind of trending down, but um, violent crime is up 4.1% as a total, and those are what we call part one or uh, crimes, so, you know, homicides, uh, aggravated assaults. Now you're you know, talking nationwide here? That, this is nationwide. Yeah. This is nationwide. Uh, property crimes are down. You know, so when you're, you're, you're looking at what, you know, Chief Willard of Manchester or some of the uh, surrounding agencies are reporting out, you know, you, you kind of have a little bit of a benchmark as to, you know, what was, you know, what's going on. I mean, murders, you know, murders is a category of, of uh, violent crime, and, and they include non-negligent manslaughters are up 8, 8.6%. Aggravated assaults are up 5.1%. Um, the what they call the legacy definition of a rape we call sexual assault and it includes other things but the, the traditional common law definition of a rape is up almost five percent four point nine and robberies are up one point two percent and again uh, it's not really a great shock and, and you know before everybody starts blaming this crap on Trump uh, keep in mind he wasn't even the president in 2016 uh, you know so these are actually we're looking back a year. On some of these statistics, you know, we've become, and a lot of this is, you know, tied to, you know, to my mind and my experience, you know, the the drug problems and, you know, uh, some of these other things. <sighs> well, you uh, know, the whole thing about uh, uh, crime and punishment is is uh, people tend to complain about disproportionate punishment without looking at disproportionate commission of crime. Yeah, and, you know, I think you'd have to get into some really, really, you know, specific things. I mean, people are going to tell you, you know, it was, you know, why they, you know, supposedly changed the sentencing laws because, you know, uh, for some of the drug crimes, because back in the day, the, the sentencing, you know, seemed to be disproportionately harsh for, um, you know, crack cocaine versus powder cocaine. And, you know, every, uh, crack cocaine was obviously the drug of choice for the, you know, the poor inner city folk. Uh, of, of whatever color, uh, but it seemed to be, you know, sentencing, you know, uh, you know, black males or black individuals or African American, I guess, if I'm going to use the FBI, uh, statistic, uh, you know, more harshly or more, you know, more severely than, you know, the, the white guys from the burbs, you know, with their powder cocaine up their nose. Um, you know, I guess I could, you know, which is more available, which is more prevalent. You know, I didn't design the sentencing guidelines. Those are, you know, those are kind of done through the Congress and the courts. You know, so, man, blame them for being racist. And, and, and again, and that's one of the reasons why Obama, you know, the vast majority of his pardons were all drug pardons for, you know, were a lot of drug pardons for crimes of that nature or that ilk. You know, he opened the jailhouse doors of the, of the federal prisons for all you know, for all these people who were convicted of these drug crimes that you know, and, you know that were allegedly disproportionate. I mean, so, what do you, you do? Know, you can. I... Well, then, you know, you, you just continue to do your job, Rich. If you're, you know, if you're in law enforcement, you just continue to do your job. 
you know what I'm saying? And you, you, you tune out this noise. You know, I, I can't imagine, and that's the thing that infuriates me, you know, is, you know, the racist cops shooting an unarmed black guys. Trust me, if you've ever been involved in a police-related shooting, you don't even, you know, one, you don't want to be that person that takes a life. Whether you're found guilty, whether it's found justified, you could be as justified in the world. That is a life and career impacting moment and incident for you. And, you know, I don't care who you are. You know, are there probably racist police officers in this country? Yeah, I'm sure there are. Just like there's some, probably some racist lawyers, probably some racist politicians, probably some racist judges. Um, you know, every occupation, every, you know, every church, every, you know, you call everybody's got one. You know, or maybe two. But by and large, the vast, vast majority of police officers are going out there not looking to shoot and kill anybody on any given day. You know, and, and my bottom line has always been, hey, you don't want to get shot by the police when you're in that situation where guns are drawn. Do what they tell you to do. You know, <laughs> and you usually walk out of there, you know, in pretty good shape. But when you're fighting with the police and you're going for their gun, these guys, you know, and gals want to go home at the end of the night to their family. They're going to protect themselves and their partners and the citizens. That's what they're sworn to do. And if that means, and you know, and, and just because he's not carrying a weapon, you know, like a gun, you know, always remember that these people are armed with personal weapons. They've got two hands, two feet, and can, you know, and can still assault you and incapacitate you you know, to the point where they can get your gun. So, I, you know, I don't want to hear that these guys were necessarily unarmed. They were unarmed at the time. But, you know, was there a gun in the car? I don't know. Exactly. You know, was there a gun in that waistband that they, they reached for and wouldn't show their hands? I don't know. But they should have just taken their hands out and complied. Yeah, generally speaking, complying with a police officer in a situation like that is going to uh, significantly improve your odds of not getting shot. But you know, then there's the general environment too. Here, I mean, we have this, 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 uh, this, this, this. I don't even know what word to use to classify what happened in the NFL over the weekend. Uh, but you know, clearly, Americans have uh, 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 tuned out. You know, CBS actually claims. It's a uh, viewership went up four uh, percent for its games. Uh, well, which tells you what CBS was getting for coverage. But uh, NBC reporting an eleven percent drop, and Fox News a sixteen percent drop in viewership. Uh, it, it, people need to remember, and I'm just going to throw this in here for a little context. Uh, what uh, I think the country's feeling today. People need to remember that the whole take a knee thing, since to Colin Kaepernick, thanks to Colin Kaepernick, was uh, being done at a time where he was wearing socks portraying police officers as pigs and basically carrying on the Black Lives Matter mantra of hands up, don't shoot, cops are out there targeting innocent black people for death. And, uh, you know, listen, I get the NFL is 75% black, uh, you know, in terms of the makeup of its players, but really, guys, do you, I don't even think they half of them know what they're protesting. And this is when it becomes dangerous, I think, for police officers on the street is to have that kind of... Uh, you, you know, celebrity endorsement of God knows what. It can't help them when they're trying to do their job on the street. Right, and these people are supposed to be being role models for the young black youth. Yeah. I don't think that, that, that message of disrespect, you know what? You know, maybe they have a legitimate argument. They certainly have a right to, dis, you know, to, to express their feelings, and I don't deny them that right. 
but during the national anthem is not the appropriate venue to do that. Well, but you know, you know what? Uh, any more uh, than it would be in their church. Hey, listen, I would say they you don't know? have the right to do it at all if the owner of the team doesn't want it done because they're, that's their work site. That's their workplace. That field is being paid for by the guy who cuts the check for my salary. I'm on his time. I'm on his dime. And if he says, I, I can't do it, then I don't have a free speech right that overrides that. You want to go protest before and after the game? You want to mouth off on Twitter or Facebook or whatever else is? Have at it, bud. But how many times when John DePietro was here doing our uh, our tech savvy, uh, web savvy segment, right, did he chronicle the list of people who, you know, for a tweet or a Facebook post that they did on their own time got fired because their employers disapproved of, of what they said and the, the scrutiny it brought on to their companies? You know what I'm saying? This oh, is no, a violation absolutely. of our company's I, values. You're fired. Oh, so NFL yeah, players they, are somehow sacrosanct? No, they're not. And the problem is, though, is the NFL ownership and the NFL itself as an organization doesn't have the fortitude or the courage to do the right thing and say, hey, you know what? Enough is enough. And now it's why the fans who are really paying those owners to put these people on the field have said, you know what? Enough is enough. We're done with this. And you know what? And it's going to start hitting them where they live. Oh, yeah, it already was. But it starts affecting going to It's going to get worse before it gets better. And, and pretty soon, they'll figure it out. Well, and you know what? i got to tell you something. I don't think it is going to get better because I don't think they will figure it out. And I think the NFL is, is in, you know, inflicted a pretty serious wound here. And I'm sure it won't break law enforcement's heart for the fans that many of them will be, no well, doubt. No it, no, it won't. And you know what? You wouldn't see this crap going on at a baseball game or a hockey game. <laughs> or maybe only once. And then that would be taken care of internally all on its own. That's right. <laughs> Jim Gadet, uh, on location, providing security services for his employer at a super secret location. Thanks for being with us here this morning on the Trial Large Radio Show. Thanks, All right, time to hit the news.